When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, bloody hell, Stuart Broad retired. Uh, we didn't know that until we started recording. Stuart Broad retired. So what you're about to listen to is Zero Ducks Daily recorded while we didn't know that Stuart Broad retired and then as Stuart Broad retired. Starring me, Barrett Sunderason and none of the others. Breaking news. Welcome to another edition of Zero Ducks Daily. And yes, predictably, it's Daniel Norcross. And also, predictably, it isn't Toby Tarrant. And it still isn't Stephen Fidd. It's driving me absolutely nuts. Thank God there's only going to be at least, well, two more of these at most. Uh, at the end of the third day of the final Ashes Test, another scintillating day of Baz Balian madness that England let slip towards the back end. They've given a sniff to their Australian overlords who already hold the Ashes. What is going to happen? What happened today? What does the future hold? Who knows? But mercifully, I'm not alone to discuss it. I am joined, I'm delighted to say, by my colleague on SEN, uh, here for 30 years of coffee fit for an Aussie. <laughs> it is Indian and now Australian journalist, Bharat Sundaray, and welcome to Zero Ducks. Am I the Todd Murphy of the show? Like, uh, I feel like uh, a fresh face. Uh, this is my Zero Ducks debut. So uh, I do feel under a bit of pressure, but like Todd Murphy did. I will hold my own. I'll show composure, show temperament, and basically show you why Daniel Norcross has picked me for the show, except the fact that nobody else was ready to do it. Just to be clear, so at the end of the day, which England scored 389 for 9 in 80 overs, are we turning this into a Todd Murphy loving? Uh, why not? I mean, every time England have lost today, they've said they won it. So I thought, uh, <laughs> let's talk about, let's spend the next half an hour talking about the three wickets Todd Murphy took. And... The fourth wicket that he deserved, but he was denied. Do you know what? You mean that absolutely diabolical decision at the end? Let's start with the very end, because Joel Wilson came out with an absolute corker. He's, he's got a fairly good uh, portfolio of corking decisions. He gave out Jimmy Anderson after an enormous amount of thought. And if you thought about it for any length of time, you'd think that's not out. If you thought about it for a long period of time, and you've gone, that's definitely not out. And what it's done is denied England a run. And I'm going to start at the end here, because... 
It may not matter. It may not matter in this match. You never know. Australia may win comfortably. England may win comfortably. But there will come a World Cup final one day, Barat, when the ball flies off the pads and it runs down to the boundary for four, needing four to win, or, or even just needing one to win or two to win. And the umpire will make the mistake. He'll give it out and then DRS will overturn it, but it'll be a dot ball. We've got to change this. We can't be giving LBWs until the ball is dead. That's the only way to stop this. Then you give it out and any runs that were scored, you keep if it's not out. And obviously if you're out, you're out. This really does cut get under your skin, doesn't it, Daniel Norcross? I remember us discussing this on air and just to uh, spite you, I disagreed with you and I've never seen you more angry or angrier than what you were. You were losing your cool at me of all people, <laughs> which you never do. So I'm going to agree with you there. And I, I don't know what Joel Wilson is turning into. I mean, we've seen very, very many variations of Joel Wilson. He's turning into latter-day Steve Buckner, where Steve Buckner would take so long to give it out and in Invariably, uh, or many times, or most Indian cricket fans would tell you, he would get it wrong. And that's what Joel Wilson has become randomly in this test match. His decisions were pretty straightforward, uh, even though he got a couple wrong last week in Manchester. But here he's, he's tried to do the slow, slow hand of death. But in a way, he's uh, doing it to himself. He's just making his decisions look worse than they are. Yeah, no, kind of grim. And I feel for him because umpiring is a horrible job. It's very, very difficult. And no one wants to uh, criticise him. Let's get back to the general meat of the day because there, uh, there's a lot to try to unpick today. Mm. Uh, I don't think batting has looked easier, almost even, than at Old Trafford. And I can't quite work out why, whether it's a combination of ball, conditions, pitch tiredness of Australian bowlers there was a period towards the well th- from the start of the day frankly when 13 runs were scored off the first over the deficit of 12 was wiped out uh, incidentally the highest scoring over for England in an Ashes test match that contains six balls uh, highest six ball over for England unbelievable uh, right to start the day and that sort of set the tempo and although there were occasional moments of clagginess here and there it was yet again England's batters massively on top. And it was only at the back end when they lost those sort of four or five wickets in the evening, thrashing around. I, I don't know quite what happened there, but the, the rest of the day was almost as consummate a batting display as England have produced all summer. Is that familiarity with the Australian bowlers by now? Is it the exhaustion of Australia's bowlers on a long tour? Is it the pitch? Is it the balls? What is it? Uh, firstly, the dark clouds stayed away. Uh, yesterday, Australia had to bat mainly under lights, on artificial lights. Uh, it looked like a beautiful day to bat, in, and Australia did look tired. Uh, for large parts of the day, uh, I thought uh, they, they looked a little completely out of breath as, as, as a team. There was not a lot of energy, and you can't expect a lot of energy when the opposition is battering you down at over five and over, everybody's playing shots, uh, and you're coming to, towards the end of the sixth test in the space of seven weeks. Uh, and I think credit to Australia towards the end to sort of stay in this game. England are still so far ahead. It's, it's already a big lead that they have. They still have that one wicket left, don't forget. And Jimmy Anderson looks hungry for a big score, which could well be his last innings <laughs> on English soil. I mean, just the, the two boundaries he hit in the last over and just the expression on his face. Uh, he looks good for 100 to me. So, 
so England aren't done yet. They still have two more days to uh, set that 500 target that they are <laughs> looking forward to. Uh, and, and to really ram the point home that they are the actual winners of this urn, even though they won't get to keep it. Maybe they can snatch it from Australia uh, on their, before they head home. But look, I think um, it was classic baseball for the first two sessions. But you're right, the last session... There were a couple of balls from Todd Murphy which kind of misbehaved. There was a puff of dust. There was the wicket of Joe Root. And it did look like both Joe Root and Johnny Besto. I mean, I'll never accuse a batter of uh, getting obsessed with a milestone uh, because that's not what they do, right? They get really riled up when you do that. But then when you bring up their number of centuries, they get very excited about it. So I don't know where. There, there is a bit of irony there. Uh, but it did look like they slowed down a little bit. Um, uh, what Joe Root went from... Uh, hitting a lot of boundaries too. There was a period of 27 runs where 25 of them were singles just before he got out. Johnny Besto hit, what, 10 fours or so uh, just before the tee break. He slowed down a little. And that kind of impacted uh, the scoring rate. Uh, what they were scoring at under four and over in the last session, which is not passballian at all. Which even at one point got Brendan McCullum off his seat. I don't know whether you mm. noticed it. Generally, he just like leans back with his feet up. But he was on his feet. I've never seen uh, him do that. I don't know whether the English dressing room, the floor is ready for him to do that. But th- that's that, that it's a bizarre kind of late session, which we've kind of become used to during this series, haven't we? Every time we think a team is really on top, the other team just like sneaks up. Mm. Both teams have left some door ajar, like mm. much like my Airbnb in Salford. Yes, which, which which is a dangerous place. We're not going to go into that. Yeah. Uh, we don't like to spend too long on these Zero Ducks Daily. So just a little bit of topping and tailing here. Uh, who would have thought that Zach Crawley would be England's oh. leading run scorer in the series? Good grief. Who would have thought that England's openers would have their best Ashes series at home this century? <laughs> and that uh, Zach Crawley and Ben Duckett actually between them this morning... It's not an awkward situation, but it's a third innings pickle. It's a one innings match. Things can go wrong. A new ball, first thing. And they did what they always do. They went hard, but it it paid off. And Australia didn't really have any answers to it. Then Root played another sumptuous knock, as we know. They'll be disappointed. Well, Harry Brook will be disappointed that he didn't cash in today. Uh, We did see spin. We did see a bit of puff of dust. There's insane talk that Moeen Ali might actually bowl, but it's not as insane as it might seem because he batted for quite a long time and he even sort of moved back and forth. I mean, I'm not going to say run, but he did go from one end to the other quite a few times. So I don't know. If he's if he becomes available, he could become a bit of a handful. Having got enough runs, really... It, they batted at the end as if they thought they had, but you know, other teams have come unstuck against them. Wouldn't that be a hideous irony? Last year, India, especially at Edgebaston, they came unstuck thinking they'd got enough. New Zealand thought they had enough on various occasions. It's uh, it's uh, an intriguing situation. Uh, it'll take something really special for Australia to uh, get close to this target. I don't know how many runs they can add tomorrow morning, uh, Anderson and Broad. But having said that, look, I think going on Zach Crawley, not only has he finished up as not just the highest run scorer at this point, but the most mature batter in this, or the guy who's grown the most during this course of the series to the extent he was solving a crossword after he went back into the dressing room it seems to be part of this baseball thing play golf solve crosswords in the dressing room I don't get it but there is some connection somewhere maybe they, they, it's a golf crossword I have no idea I mean, it must be right uh, I think Ben it wasn't one of those chancy opening partnerships though. I thought Ben Duckett took down Mitchell Stark who looked a little flat a little, uh, at the, or sore at the start of the day but I think England will look at this day and say look I think they've got what they wanted to do they batted the whole day which 
which we haven't seen so far, and I think they have enough runs. Um, I've got to tell you that this is all in real time. This is all live, and I've got news. We've just discovered that Stuart Broad has retired, and I did wonder... I wonder, breaking news, Stuart Broad announces he will retire from cricket at the end of the ongoing fifth test against Australia. It is official, and I did wonder why the producer here of uh, Whisper, of the BBC TV, suddenly legged it off the chair. I thought, oh no, has Isha forgotten something um, as one of the microphones bust? No, Stuart Broad has retired. We're obviously going to do a retirement special at some point. Um, I've got to go in to do Radio 5 in a minute. This is all live, ladies and gentlemen. This is what's happening on Zero Ducks. I'd like your instant reaction and obviously your tributes to a man who's just about nailed non-cricket, as Barney Ronay called it. He's just nailed the the away swinger, which no one's ever bowled. He's managed to void a whole bunch of test matches. He gets Marnus Labashain out just simply by picking his bells up and putting them down again. He's just coming into form and now he's gone. Wow, this is the baseball retirement of this generation. Uh, he's had an outstanding series, you're right. He's upskilled himself. He's looked superb throughout the series. He's really been England's talisman throughout uh, for a long, long time, but especially in this series. Uh, and just when he looked ripe to maybe have two more years uh, of Test cricket, for him to retire before Jimmy Anderson retires, I mean, who would have thunked that uh, many, many years ago? Well, who knows? Maybe Jimmy's next. Oh, I mean, oh, oh, no. Maybe Joe Root as well. Yeah, maybe they'll all go off together. A quick assessment, though, because I, I, I'm going to wrap this up yeah. and then go and, and give other people my yeah. assessment. Um, you have a little bit of detachment, obviously, from Stuart Broad. Can you sum up the incredible impact that Stuart Broad has had on world cricket? English cricket is a different matter. We'd have to take ages on that. But just give us the um, you know, the overseas view of a guy who has uh, well, courted yeah. controversy. I mean, the meme king, right? I mean, he's uh, given rise to more memes than any cricketer in the history of the game uh, while having uh, one of the more extraordinary records you'll ever see from uh, a fast bowler uh, in terms of longevity, the number of wickets he's taken and how he's just got better and better and better uh, while making more enemies around the world than uh, or fans who've turned on him than anyone else. And look, also, nobody's spoken better about fast bowling in press conferences than Stuart Broad. So I can't wait for him to do what he was born to do which is be part of us to be a broadcaster can I sum it up in a word no can I sum it up in a noise today England scored some runs it's all a minor detail Stuart Broad has retired it's true go and mourn for cricket will never be the same again thank you Barrett Sunderace and thank you to all of you who are listening I've got to go and record a new intro bye Podcast Network.